morning, NCC. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? It's good to see each of you here. And once again, if it's your first time, maybe you're watching online for the first time or here in person, if I haven't met you, my name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we are so glad that you're with us. This is our last week of this series at the movie. And I want to start our time together, the message part this morning, with something a little interactive. So I'm going to need your guys' help. Um, as we grow up, we get different preferences, things we like, things we don't like. So we're going to take a quick survey here this morning to start this thing off. I'm going to show you a side-by-side -side image and then ask you to vote just by raising your hand um, which one you like, okay? So imagine you're sitting down at a restaurant, you order the burger, and they ask this question, mustard or mayo? Mustard or mayo? Okay, how many mustard people do I have in the room? Okay. How many mayo people do I have in the room? How many of you guys are ketchup? It's not even up there, okay? Okay. You guys, I think mayo won in this service. And let me tell you, I do not like mayo. Like if a fast food place defaults to putting mayo on the burger, I usually won't even go. That's how much I don't like mayo, okay? I don't want the chance that it's going to end up on my burger, okay? How about this one? I know everyone doesn't own a pet, but if you do or if you had to, um, puppies or kittens, okay? How many dog people do I have in the house? Okay, how many cat people? Sorry, cat people, you guys got beat out, okay? That was definitely puppies and dogs there, okay? How about this one? You need to refuel, kind of replenish. Are you going out in nature, streams, wildlife? Are you in the city, people, building architecture? Okay, how many nature people to refuel, re-energize? Okay, how many city people? You want to be downtown? Awesome. Okay, one last one here. It's late at night and you're going to grab a snack. Are you going sweet or salty? How many sweet people? Okay. Salty people. How many of you guys want a little bit of both? Okay, let me ask this. How many of you guys mix them together in the same bowl? Okay, that's a thumbs down, you guys. I do not like that. Like the whole popcorn and M&Ms together, I cannot do that at all, okay? So, hey, you know, all of these things that, that we just kind of went through, they're preferences, right? I mean, we use strong words. We're like, I love that, I hate that, or that's delicious, or that's disgusting, or I like, dislike it. All of those things are kind of preferences. But what we're talking about this morning isn't just things that I like because I grew up in my household, or kind of where I'm from, or the pet that we had. We're talking about good and evil, which goes beyond just personal preference. And we're going to look at what the Bible says this morning about that and what it looks like, sometimes how we interact with that, and what it means in our lives, and, and what Scripture has called us to do as we look at good and evil in the world around us. We're in our fourth and last week of this series called At the Movies. And we've been looking at some great movies that are challenging, that are inspiring, kind of some epic movies. The movies that we've been looking at, we've said, you know what, they are, they're fictional, so they're from someone's creativity and imagination, but we're also looking at deeper truths that they point to in the Bible, in Scripture. And as we talk about this, we want to make sure that we remember, hey, although these stories are inspired by imagination and creativity, the Bible is real. It's about real people in a real place at a real point in time. It's not a made-up story. And through the ordinary lives of women and men and through what men and women wrote and spoke, God is revealing himself. There's something different about the Bible than any TV show you'll ever watch, any movie, any book you will ever read. The Bible stands apart from anything else that we will come across because it is the inspired 
Word of God. So we're looking at the truth of Scripture and how some of these movies have truths that reflect that as we engage in this. So this morning we've said that. We're looking at the movie Shang-Chi. I don't know if you guys have seen this. I will give you just kind of a five-second snapshot, hopefully not give away any spoilers or anything, in case you want to go watch this today and you've not seen it yet. We see the story of a man who comes into possession of these ten rings. They're rings of power, they're kind of mass, magical and mystical, and whenever he possesses them, whenever he puts them on, he has these superpowers. So he's able to like defeat whole armies and kind of topple empires, gains wealth, all of that, kind of rises to power in his time, and then he falls in love. And the woman that he falls in love with overcomes the rings, okay? Like she's more powerful than the rings. She overcomes the rings, and he sets them aside for a time. They get married, they have a son and a daughter, and then his wife ends up dying. And he's drawn back to the power of the rings. He's drawn back to this evil in the rings. He trains his son, Shang-Chi, to become an assassin. And we see throughout the rest of this movie kind of this parallel of the father being drawn to the evil and kind of the corruption within the rings, and this son trying to pursue good. And as we look at this, kind of this theme that we see in this story, we don't have to look too far to see both the goodness in our world and also the evil and the brokenness and the issues that we have in the world around us. This story isn't too far from reality. And I want us to start by looking at scripture. You know, whenever we talk about good and evil, sometimes it can seem like it's up for grabs, right? Like we don't really have a solid definition especially in our culture and in the world around us, it seems like good and evil are kind of this shifting model of um, what it means or what it looks like. So I want us to go back to Scripture because at the beginning of the story in the Bible, God gives us this pattern that really helps us to understand what this is. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 1. So this is the first page of the Bible. If you've never read it, this is how it begins, okay? And you can write these down, or if you're taking notes, you have the NCC app, you can follow along. And I want to encourage you, these scriptures that I'm going to give you this morning, take time this week. Go back, reflect on them, and and allow God to speak to you as we look at this theme of good and evil. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it starts by saying this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. If you have your Bibles, you can highlight that. God saw that that the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning the first day. Now, if you keep reading this, this is a pattern that repeats. God creates. He looks at his creation. He says it's good. And out of that goodness, things come. Like you start to read this pattern, out of the goodness, more life is created. There's this fruitfulness, there's provision from God. As he creates man and woman and he says, this is good, there is connection and there's relationship, there's love, there's provision. When God says something is good, there's all of these things that flow out of that goodness. And we see this pattern in Genesis 1. But all of a sudden in Genesis 3, there's a twist. For the first time, there is a character introduced into the story that defines goodness apart from God, apart from Yahweh. If you still have your Bibles open, Genesis 3, 1 says this, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, I'm sorry, this is verse 6. So Genesis 3, 6, when the woman saw that the fruit 
of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some, she ate it, she gave some to her husband who also ate it with her. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. They realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So there's been this pattern. God says it's good, and life flows, relationship flows, connection, provision flows out of the goodness of God. Whenever we as humans define goodness apart from Yahweh, on our own, separated from Him, something different happens. There's death. There's destruction. If you keep reading this for the first time, we've been connected to each other, but now there's separation. There's separation from God. There's separation from each other. Now there is shame and guilt in the world where there has never been. You and I left to ourselves, we're very much like Adam and Eve. Whenever we choose to define goodness on our own, apart from what God has said, we mess up the equation, you guys. We introduce brokenness into the world and we face the repercussions for the first time. There is pain and suffering because Adam and Eve say, hey God, we think we know better. And we're going to define good apart from you. This is what happens in the world around us. We keep doing this. This story is thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. And yet it's still the pattern today that we have moments where we try to define this apart from God. And when we see good and evil in the world around us, when we see what it is that God is doing, and when we see the brokenness of our own life and the brokenness of the world around us, here's what happened is we have to try to figure out what we do. And for so many of us, we want to hide from it. We want to run from it. We want to get out on our own. If you've seen this movie, Shang-Chi, that's what he does. His dad is training him to be an assassin. But when he has a chance, he just wants to get away from it. But here's the truth, you guys. Ignoring evil doesn't make it go away. Ignoring evil doesn't make it go away. So in this movie, he is on the other side of the world from his dad. Years have passed since the last time he's seen his dad. He's working an average job. It's not like, you know, he's got all this money or this glamorous lifestyle. He's just an ordinary guy working an ordinary job. But evil still has a way of finding him. Like he's ran from it, but it is still there. And ignoring evil doesn't make it go away. Like just kind of being the proverbial ostrich, sticking our head in the sand, um, ignoring what's going on around us, the brokenness that we see in the world around us doesn't mean that it's not going to affect us or we're not going to feel its impact. And so in this movie, we see this, that even though he's all this distance away, it still found him, his dad's kind of empire, his dad's army that he's built. We see this in the scriptures. If you have your Bibles in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, that Jonah was a prophet and the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amatea, go to this great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me. God is saying, hey, there's evil and brokenness in the world, but Nineveh is so bad, I've taken notice of it. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard, and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. God's telling Jonah, hey, there is a city that's wicked, and I want you to go preach repentance. I want you to go tell them to change. I want you to go preach my word to them. And Jonah wants to run away from the evil. He doesn't want anything to do with it. And so he gets on a boat going for Tarshish, which back then in that culture, that was like the end of the world. That was kind of the edge of the then known world. He's getting as far away as he can. 
But what he actually ends up doing is running from God. See, you and I, whenever we just try to ignore evil, whenever we just try to close our eyes to it, we actually end up running from God's calling and God's purpose and God's plan in our life. Ignoring evil doesn't make it go away. Edmund Burke said this, that all that needs to be done for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. All that evil needs to prevail is for good people to do nothing. See, you and I, whenever we just want to ignore evil, whenever we just want to try to close our eyes to it, whenever we want to pretend that it's not there, we actually end up running from the call of God. The Bible is not a story of God ignoring humanity in our brokenness. It is the story of a God who enters into our brokenness, who comes in the midst of the evil and the wickedness of our heart and says, I want to rescue you and I want to redeem you and I will step into the stinkiness and the filthiness and all of the brokenness of your life so that you can experience a relationship with me, so that you can be brought back close to me. God doesn't ignore evil. And whenever we choose to do that, once again, many times, we end up running from the call of God in our life. I was thinking about just the culture, kind of the church culture that I grew up in. Some of you guys may remember this. Some of you may have been a part of it. Um, some of you may be new to church, so it may not connect with you as much. But, but in, I grew up, you know, when I grew up in the 80s and 90s and even early 2000s, this is what we did as a church is we tried to ignore evil. And so we created what I call like a Christian bubble. And we made Christian radio stations, right? Some of you guys listen to those, so you're not wanting to raise your hand. I get it, okay. But that's what we did is like we didn't want to hear the other music that may be evil or that may be bad or any of that. So, so we created Christian radio stations, but that wasn't enough. So we created Christian TV stations, right? Christian talk shows, Christian news channels, Christian TV shows, Christian movies. And can I be honest, some of the acting on those are really, really bad, but but we just went with it. Like we had to go there because we didn't really have another option. We were in this Christian bubble. You guys, we went so far as to create Christian sports leagues, right? How many of you guys have seen churches with that? We played softball, soccer, and basketball with other Christians because being around bad people may make us bad. That's the kind of culture that we kind of lived in because this is what we thought is if we can ignore the evil around us, then maybe it won't get to us. Maybe we'll be okay. Maybe it'll be all right. That's not the way the world works. And you guys, I'm telling you, whenever the, Christian, whenever the church and Christians kind of turn inward, the world doesn't just automatically get better. It doesn't make evil go away. We are called to be the voice of God. We are called to be light in the midst of darkness. We're not called to be in a Christian bubble. We are called to be in the world and to be an example and a reflection of God. Whenever we try to ignore evil, most often we end up running from the call and the purpose of God in our life. And we're not called to ignore evil. It doesn't make it go away. We are called to be the light of Jesus, to bring the truth of God into a world that is definitely broken. Now that happens. That's one of our responses to evil when we see it as, well, if we just ignore it, it'll be okay. Another response is we act like it's not there because we try to define it by ourselves. We end up saying, well, good, evil, I mean, that's kind of this weird philosophical thought. So, hey, your good is whatever seems good to you. And your truth is whatever seems true to you. And, and stuff isn't really evil or bad. That's just kind of a cultural thing. And depending on the culture that you live in or the type of person you are, if it feels good to you, then do it. 
And when that happens, evil ends up masquerading as light and love. Evil can masquerade as light and love. Watch this clip. See, sometimes in the midst of pain, tragedy, whatever's gone on in our life, we end up trying to define good and evil on our own terms. And just like in this movie, you see there, he thought it was his wife, he thought it was his kids' moms, that that was the voice luring him. Really, it was like this evil force, this evil presence kind of behind that gate, promising him pleasure, right? Promising him his greatest desires, whatever it was that he wanted, that's what it was promising. And if we're not careful, evil can masquerade as light and love. Paul gives this warning to the early church in 2 Corinthians 11, 14, and 15. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he warns early Christians. You need to be careful. It's no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. There was a prophet named Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. This is what he says. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This was written thousands of years ago, but he could be speaking today. Be careful when you live in a culture that no longer understands good according to what God has said. And they no longer define evil by what God has spoken, but they're making up their own terms for those things. We end up being deceived and evil masquerades as light and love when really it's brokenness. And you guys, that is the culture around us that has tried to redefine love, that has tried to redefine sexuality, that has tried to redefine life, that has tried to redefine what good and evil is. And can I tell you, it's not up for public opinion. And it's not a cultural vote of, well, you, this feels good right now, or it seems like everyone's okay with this, so we're going to do this. That's not our definition of good and evil. In that moment, we're being deceived. What Paul is saying is we're being lied to by the enemy who's masquerading as love and light, but really it's death and it's destruction in our life. You guys, we can't leave it up to us. Here's why. We are fickle people, you guys. We change our minds all the time. Like If you've read the story of the Bible, you see this. There were this whole city, Jerusalem, and on one Sunday, they're yelling, Jesus is the greatest thing ever. Like They're laying down their coats. They're worshiping him. This is God's salvation. This is God's redemption. Seven days later, they're saying, kill him, crucify him, torture him, execute him. Like, Like we could change in a moment. We change in a heartbeat. And if we leave good and evil up to us, it's a floating definition that all the time is moving and changing. That's why it's not up to us. We go to the creator. We go to the giver of life. We go to the one who everything originates from. And we begin to ask him, God, what is your definition of that? Because if we stray away from that, if we just listen to ourselves or if we listen to popular opinion, we end up believing the lie because evil will masquerade as light and love. This is love. This is good when really it's bringing death and destruction and harm and brokenness to the world around us. But there's hope in this story. And the hope is this. It's that light overcomes darkness. Light overcomes darkness. You guys, it's 
more than just a great storyline that we watch in a movie. There's something powerful when we allow the light of God to be present in our life. John chapter 1 verse 1 says this, when he was talking about Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In Romans chapter 12, verse 21, Paul writes to the church once again, and he says, Do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That you and I, whenever we allow the light of Christ to shine in our life, it makes a difference in the world around us. I mean, if you've ever been in a dark room and the lights are off, all you have to do is turn on the light, right? And the darkness begins to flee. It's like that in our life. Whenever we will allow the goodness of God to be present in our life, we once again bring hope. We bring love. We bring light into a world that is broken, into a world that is dark, into a world that is suffering with pain. You and I get to carry the goodness of God to the world around us that desperately needs to see that, the light of Christ in our life. And so I want to challenge you this morning to not just live good and evil according to public opinion, not just what the world around you thinks, but to listen to the voice of Yahweh, to listen to what it is that he has said, to not try to ignore evil, but to be a light in the world around us, to put his light on display because light overcomes darkness. So this is your homework. This is your action item that I want to give you this week, that you would do this, that you would take some time and read John chapter 1, verse 1. Just spend some time reflecting on that, what it is that John is saying. Light has overcome the, dark, the, the darkness there and begin to just ask God to be honest in your own life. Is there any part of your life where you're leaving the definition of good and evil up to public opinion? Is there any way where you're allowing the enemy to lie to you and to masquerade that evil is somehow connected with love or that sin is somehow okay? And just ask God to begin to expose those things in your life. Reflect on those. Listen to the voice of God. Listen to how he wants to challenge you. And then just write down, God, what's one way that I can resist this? How can I be a picture of your light to the world around me? Church, that's my prayer for you. Is that in a world that is broken, in a world that is hurting, is that you and I would be a reflection of the goodness of God. You're in your workplace for a specific reason. And I know that you may feel like that coworker or that other person is kind of the epitome of evil, right? Their life seems so broken and messed up. And that's why God has you there. You're called to be a reflection of his light. Students in that classroom where you're thinking, yes, my friends really do need Jesus. You're there on purpose. It's not an accident. You're connected to others because you are called to be a reflection of the goodness of God. You are called to put on display the love and the light of Christ to a world that so desperately needs it. That's why you and I are here is to reflect the goodness of God. To not ignore evil, but to fulfill the calling of God in our life. So I want to challenge you with that this morning. Let's walk that out, church. Let's put on display the goodness of God. Let's speak his truth with love to a world that desperately needs to hear that. 
I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask if you would maybe take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes and just reflect on what we've talked about this morning. You may be here, maybe you're sitting in this room, maybe you're watching online, someone invited you, or you could have been coming for a while, but this morning you're realizing, you know what? I'm still trying to define those things on my own terms. And the truth is, all of us, when we do that, we end up inviting brokenness into our life. When you and I try to separate ourselves from God and do this by ourselves, we end up with destruction and pain and suffering in our life. It's just the natural consequence. But this morning, the beauty of the story of the scriptures is that God doesn't leave us like that. That he came to rescue us. He came to redeem us. He gave his life. He came and walked in the brokenness of our world so that we could be restored back into a relationship with him. So that we could put his display on love for a world that needs to see that. And if you're here and you'd be honest and say, you know what, that's me. I'm disconnected from God. Disconnected from others. I'm trying to do this on my own and I keep messing stuff up. You don't have to keep living like that. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And this prayer is very simple. It's just admitting, God, I've messed up. And I need your forgiveness. I can't do this on my own. And so I'm inviting you into my life to help me. I want you to be a part of my life. And I'm going to invite everyone to pray this out loud, whether you're saying it for the first time, whether you've prayed this before, even if you're at home by yourself, would you say this out loud? Because we don't want anyone praying alone. Let's pray this together. Jesus, I come to you. I admit that I've sinned. I've messed up. And I'm praying for your forgiveness. I'm inviting you into my life. Give me a brand new start. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Let me reflect your goodness to the world around me. I pray in your name. Amen. Now, can you just put your hands together and celebrate for anyone who may have prayed that prayer? The Bible says this, that all of heaven is celebrating, all of heaven is rejoicing when even one person makes that commitment to come back to Christ, to be connected with God. And so if that's you, I want you to know we are so excited. And I believe this, that even though you were disconnected, if you meant that as you prayed that prayer, that God is doing something on the inside of your life. And we don't want you to walk this thing out alone. We don't want you to try to have to figure out by yourself, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to connect with God? We want to do this with you. And so there's a simp very simple way you can reach out and let us know, hey, I prayed that prayer. If you'll go to newcommunity.co slash new life, our team wants to come alongside of you. We want to encourage you. We want to cheer you on. We want to help you this week as you're taking those first steps in following Jesus. And so take a moment, if you would, just let us know that you prayed that, that you meant that. Reach out to us. We want to encourage you, and, and we're celebrating you. There is something new God is doing in your life, and we are so excited for that.